episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matthew Statler. Long pause. Matt always forgets his uh, his name when we start this thing. Um, we're back at it again, uh, continuing on in our series on uh, discovering hope in trauma. And, you know, as we've talked through the last couple of weeks about the idea of affliction and suffering and uh, trouble that, you know, trauma is not necessarily a word we see in scripture, but we see a lot of different synonyms for that capture this principle. Right. And What's the Bible has, uh, it's a word like another word. Okay. <laughs> That's Big the word. easiest way I can, I'll explain it to you. Like you're my nine-year-old. Um, but anyway, so, um, man, you shot my wheels off my dude. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, we talk about the Bible and it has it ha- has an exhaustive amount to say about how the believer, how the follower of Christ endures and hopes in the midst of trauma. You know, uh, Matt, it kind of reminds me of Romans 5, uh, 1 through 5, which tells us that since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, Paul says, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. That's a crazy concept, right? But what Paul's getting at is that in our affliction, God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, produces in us. What does he do? He says affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so what what Paul is saying is essentially that in the midst of our suffering and our affliction, man, God is creating in us, he's working in us a hope that cannot be put to shame. Uh, and, And, you know, we've discussed how shame is a major aspect of, uh, what people deal with in the midst of their trauma, oftentimes. But uh, man, we're really excited this week to bring on a dear friend of ours, Kevin Schroeder, who uh, is a retired Texas lawman um, out of League City, Texas. And uh, Kevin uh, works with us in Mighty Oaks, and man, he's just got a, a wealth of wisdom, especially when we're talking about trauma in, in his story and and how he helps uh, other veterans and first responders through seeing the hope of Christ through the midst of their own trauma. And so uh, we brought him on because we thought, man, who who better to ask about this kind of subject matter and riff with uh, regarding um, the principles of um, how a Christian deals with trauma. Matt? But not only that, uh, Kevin is also a Marine. And so he is a Marine and a police or was a police officer i don't know do you guys do the same thing you do with the marines you know once a marine always no, no. a marine there's no no former marine what's a once a cop always a cop is that the same thing uh, not as much no <laughs> <laughs> you know just to, to quickly say matt uh we were at a program i was with kevin uh a week ago and this guy was talking to us about 
man, he remembers when he was watching those guys storm the storm the sand and desert storm. He's like, those are real men. Those are the toughest man men in the world. And you should have seen Kevin's grin because <laughs> he's a desert storm veteran. Oh man. Oh, thanks for coming on today, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Man, we really appreciate you uh you taking the time to meet with us. And um, you know, we've Neil and I have both heard your testimony um at the programs and uh, man we just thought how awesome would it be uh, for you to be able to share some of your afflictions your struggles that you experienced and how god has brought you through it so maybe we start with this first question or this first idea is how did god use trauma uh or affliction or suffering in your life and now remember we when we talked about afflictions trauma sufferings that's stuff that we have done um that caused our own pain and suffering or it's something that's been done to us that wasn't completely our fault either um and so uh, how did god use suffering or affliction in your life to bring you into a relationship with him well, initially it would into a saving relationship with him. Uh, you know, it would start back to my childhood. Uh, I was not raised in a Christian home. It was uh, a pretty toxic environment, just a lot of, uh, you know, alcohol abuse and drug use and uh, just a lot of fighting. And yeah, there's never any uh, peaceful resolution to conflict. And, uh, you know, it really makes me think of, uh, you know, in the, the parable in the gospel where Jesus talks about, uh, you know, he compares the man that built his house on the sand and the man that built his house on the rock. And I believe that our family built their foundation on the sand because eventually it would fall and collapse. And uh, my parents would get a divorce when I was a senior in high school. But it was also at this time uh, that I met my, uh, my high school sweetheart, who's my wife today. And uh, she was born, raised in a Christian home. Her dad's still a pastor at 80. And uh, I just remember seeing, not only, you know, hearing the gospel at that time when we, we started dating each other, uh, but just seeing it in their lives, how it was played out. And, you know, they had problems and, and situations in their life, premature death, you know, divorce. And, uh, but I just saw this joy and this, uh, this resilience that they had that uh, was foreign to me. And, uh, you know, that reminds me, looking back now, of the man who built his house on the rock, which is Jesus. And when the winds and the rain and the storm came, which, you know, basically tells us hard times or trauma are going to come. But when we're built on that foundation of Christ, that house will stand. And I'll tell you what, uh, just seeing that and hearing it as a 17-year-old, I was, that's how the Lord really captivated my heart. And, uh, and drew me into a relationship with him. Hmm. But I will say, uh, moving on through life, uh, you know, as I've, as I've dealt with trauma, whether it would have been my time in the Marine Corps as a police officer, um, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the fact that, you know, I guess my friend put it this way, I had a friend who was a Navy veteran, uh, and he told me when he was uh, practically on his deathbed with cancer, you know, he told me, he says, Kevin, he says, we preach and teach, delight yourself in the Lord in the good times and the bad, and this is my opportunity. And, uh, you know, he had those orange rubber bracelets uh, made that said uh, Psalm 50, uh, God is victorious. And, you know, Psalm 50 is basically 50 verses where it talks about, at the beginning, David, this dilemma, this crisis in life that he was in, felt like death to him. 
And, uh, you know, the rest of the psalm, the majority of the psalm talks about how God rescues. And uh, sometimes it's uh, in ways that we don't expect to realize. For instance, my buddy who told me those words passed away just a few months after saying them. That's not how I expected God to deliver. But one of the things I thought after he died is that cancer didn't win. <laughs> I mean, Dario's in a place where he'll never shed a tear, where he'll never suffer. And, you know, God, God delivers in his time and in his ways. So that has helped me uh, experiences like that and passages in scripture like that to stay grounded and reminded, you know, when you're going through the storm or in trauma that, uh, you know, God is victorious. Amen. So that, that would be one of the attributes of God, uh, this, this, this all powerful God that is really helpful for us to kind of, uh, view our circumstances through the lens of, right. That this isn't these things that we go through. Don't somehow surprise him that his hands somehow off of the, the drive out of the driver's seat, you know, off the steering wheel. And that, uh, man, God moves us to a position of working all things together for good, uh, for, for those who love him, of course. Right. Um, what, are, what are some other attributes of, uh, or characteristics of God that have really helped ground you, um, as you look back at the things you've gone through, but also as you encounter new new forms of hardship or affliction? Uh, really just to um, stay focused on the truth. Uh, because even as an early Christian, you know, or a younger Christian, I would say, new in the faith, uh, when hard times came or when traumatic events came, you know, I, I found myself questioning God, uh, maybe even blaming Him at times or... You know, thinking, wait a minute, I thought this Christian life was supposed to be a bed of roses. It's more like a bed of thorns at times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I really had to come to realize that, you know, I'm focusing on feelings and feelings mm. will fail you every day. Uh, but, you know, there's scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And yes, in Psalm 34. And, you know, when you have gone through some hard times and you've seen God's faithfulness to that, you get this taste of, man, I want that for the next event. So, you know, it draws you into more scripture. So I've just found that, you know, God's word is reliable um, and it is firm. It is true. It does not uh, return void, scripture says. So, uh, you know, I've just found that trusting in, in his word and taking my you know, my perspective or my thoughts off of self and, and my feelings and just really taking them at his word and trusting in his word and, um, you know, not looking through the world at the lens sees, but just focusing on uh, lens of scripture. And, uh, and just, and I, it's a reminder too, that trauma, you know, it's a soul. It reaches down to the soul. And yeah. the only one that can provide that soul care is the Lord. You know, and his promises are solid, and uh, and you can bank on those, that he is faithful. And as the word says that, you know, we can call on him at any time to cast all our anxieties on him, pray without ceasing. I mean, we have that lifeline. I mean, the list just goes on on his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Yeah, I love that you said, um, man, we don't, we can't go off of what we feel, right? Feelings are fickle. They change. You know, I, I tell people all the time, man, when I get in the car and I'm on my way to work, like I feel good. And then I get slammed by traffic. I don't feel so good <laughs> anymore in that moment. It can change in the blink, blink of an eye, right? But yeah. we go off of what we know to be true. 
And I love that you drew this out that man, what, what is true is found in scripture in the reality of who God says that he is. And man, that influences in, uh, infects impacts every aspect of our lives. And, uh, uh, and even the lives of those around us, right? So um, you kind of started with this idea of how your your f- parents built this house on the sand, right? And um, and we know that trauma is not just things we experience from from others, but it's also a result often of what how we rebel against God, and so we can actually cause trauma in the lives of other people. Um, Man, how does God, or how have you seen God work in your life of, of um, working even the trauma you've caused, you've caused uh, uh, your loved ones? How's He worked those things for good? Have you seen evidence of even that? So when I transitioned out of the Marine Corps, um, you know, I, I became a police officer pretty quick, and uh, you know, I just went through a period of you know working night shift and just that Type A personality, and you know, just the I guess the, the mega pride that the Marine Corps instills and taking that to a law enforcement career, you know, there was a period of time in my life uh, where I think a, a mixture of that pride and then just kind of maybe seeing uh, what goes on in the world, you know, um, on a day-to-day basis that a lot of people don't get to see that goes on on the streets. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I just started to live this kind of like mediocre mediocre mundane existence as a christian and made some compromises that uh you know seven into seven years into our marriage uh it got so bad because of some of the decisions that i made that uh you know i filed for divorce um and you know we were basically a signature away from a divorce and uh you know i just saw that uh you know what that was doing to my family at that time, you know, my son, um, my oldest son was seven and my daughter was just an infant and our youngest wasn't even born yet. And, uh, you know, I just really saw the destruction, uh, that I was causing in our family. And, uh, I thought the only solution, um, was to run and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, I would make some, uh, I guess some lack of decision, you know, in, uh, in my career, where, um, you know, I just felt like, um, you know, I encountered an individual on a certain night where he, he was just in a bad situation. I didn't know how bad it was, but, you know, I look back on that night and I think, man, I was just burying, uh, I quote, uh, Philippians 3, 8 a lot where it says, uh, Paul says that, uh, you know, I consider all things lost in comparison to a surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And, uh, this guy needed to know that hope. And uh, I was burying that inside of me. And, you know, eventually, um, he would, uh, die in an accident and he would kill three other people, two young, uh, kids and himself. So, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of survivor's guilt from that. And, um, I, a lot of guilt and shame, you know, and, um, my wife and uh, she she was praying through all this. So eventually, uh, during that whole time period, you know, we would get back together and try to make it uh, work. And uh, I just really felt still defeated. Like, how in the world do you come back from causing this kind of destruction? And you know, there were some big lessons in sovereignty. Um, you know, it's a big word that we use in church that God is in control of all things. And you know, what I learned through that was that I was missing out on that Philippians three eight that that treasure that 
Christ is, that surpassing worth of knowing him. Hmm. And uh, it's not that God is, is waiting on Kevin to present, prevent an accident, but, you know, God had me in that place, in that profession uh, to be a beacon of light in the darkness. And uh, it's right. through that lesson that I would learn to make that transition, you know, and I eventually had a career in law enforcement with uh, that I was able to finish better than when I started as far as living out the Christian life and that. Uh, but not only that, you know, uh, you know, we just celebrated 31 years of marriage. So me and my wife just became empty nesters uh, literally a week ago when um, our daughter got married and our youngest son uh, went to boot camp. He's two months, I'm sorry, two weeks into uh, Marine Corps boot camp right now. And, uh, you know, we've just been doing some reflecting about God's faithfulness through that, that even through the pain that has been dealt to us or the pain that we have caused that his love is steadfast, which basically means it, it never is compartmentalized. It never ends. I mean, it is, it is so indescribable. And I think about it, it's like, I want to get, I, like, I get frustrated. I'm like, how in the world can this almighty God love us through all this and pick up the pieces and keep moving us in a direction uh, that is so beyond us and uh, it's it's indescribable uh, and you know his, his his love truly is faithful and steadfast mm. so yeah Kevin, I love that you you kind of drew out Philippians 3 8 that man all this stuff is, I consider lost right when we stack it up against knowing Christ I think it was Jeremiah Burroughs who said uh the most contented person in the world or contented man in the world is the most dissatisfied man in the world. And uh, I've just been thinking about that a lot recently of, and the principle he's trying to drive is we're dissatisfied with how much we know about God. And so we continue to pursue him and pursue him in, in, in that pursuit of him, man, what fills our heart is contentment. It's, it's it's rest, it's peace, right? Because we know the God of peace. It's joy because we know the God of joy, and uh, and so our souls, like there's this this balm applied to uh, the burden of our souls, and and even in the affliction that we cause. And so, um, man, as as God is like um, applied a balm, a salve, right to the the hurt and the heartache that you've gone through. Um, Man, we you've gotten to see like 31 years of marriage now, right? These these three beautiful kids that are all out of your house now and uh, beginning their own legacy. Man, like what a gift of God's grace that begins and ends with His work in your life. Uh, you you one of the verses I hear you quote all the time is I believe Philippians one six. Is that right? Is that the one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of tease that out. Like, why is that something that's so rock solid for you to stand in? Well, you know, uh, I believe in uh, memorizing scripture uh, because you know that's it's God's living word, and He wants it inside of us. The Spirit, uh, you know, it's the sword of the Spirit. So that's how we fight. And you know, when I was trying to get back up on my feet, uh, that's one of the verses that I memorized. And whenever I felt like the enemy was reminding me of my past. You know, I would feel feelings of guilt and shame. Uh, you know, that verse would come to mind that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I mean, the, the amount of hope that is packed in that verse, I mean, that basically says that, you know, it's not dependent upon Kevin at the end of the day. 
you know, that God is uh, all powerful, all knowing, everywhere present. He began, I didn't choose God as much as I'd like to say I did. You know, scripture, you know, verifies that when it says that he has chosen us. And uh, the fact that he began this work and he will bring it into completion, you know, it causes me to be in awe and to surrender and to seek that out. Say, God, I'm glad you're in control. I can't do it. I tried. And this is what it looks like. But I know that you'll bring it to completion. And uh, man, I love that verse so much. Man, uh, you know, Kevin, I really have been appreciating listening to um, how God has has shown you what a, a beautiful life looks like being built on the on the rock. Um, but I want to I just want to back up a little bit. So after you came back, you made things right with your wife, uh, dealt with the grief, dealt with the shame, dealt with all the the struggles. Um, and you really began, I think probably that was a, uh, a watershed moment for you to really lean into Christ through that difficulty. Um, it kind of began to mature you in your understanding of who God is. You mentioned sovereignty. Um, did you stop having difficulties after that? You never saw anything hard, you know, being a police officer was super easy, just eating donuts and (laughs) hanging out. (laughs) No, no, I wish, you know, um, even up to when my, my last, uh, I guess probably month of, uh, uh, you know, my 21 year career, I just, uh, you know, saw some, like, I thought I was done seeing some of the stuff that I saw and, uh, you know, there's a guy at an intersection. Uh, I had just finished my, my lunch break and I was going back to the station. And, you know, it was my Friday. I was actually thinking about what I was going to do uh, over the weekend. And I just remember the dispatcher come over the radio and say, you know, shots fired, shots fired at the intersection of uh, I-45 and Dixie Parkway. And I'm like, man, I'm right here in the intersection. And I said, there's a black truck rolling through the intersection, uh, shots fired. And uh, I remember the truck came to a stop and you know, long story short, the driver of that vehicle took his life in front of uh, his female passenger. And the words that he said to her prior to doing that was, I'm going to show you that we're all really just in a YouTube video and this isn't real. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember it was things like that that uh, would keep me up at night for uh, a few days at least. Uh, but then I would remember like, you know, we live and all the trauma and everything that we see and that we have a hard time with this world is tied into a three letter word and it's called sin. And uh, sin doesn't sound real ugly when you just say the word, but when you look back at maybe some of the sins that you've committed, you know, I've committed or seen other people do, or for instance, this, this in this world, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's tied into that word. Um, So, you know, I would find myself, or I'd have to remind myself during those times that, hey, we live in a sinful, fallen world, and, um, you know, we're supposed to be a light. And, uh, you know, those situations would remind me of that, to be intentional about those around me that don't have hope, that don't know the hope, uh, but also, too, to lean harder in it for me, that, you know, uh, whether I live to... Uh, 50 years, which would be a year or a hundred years, it, it pales in comparison to eternity. And, you know, the Bible says, no, I have seen or ears heard the things that the Lord has in store. And, uh, mm. you know, when I, when I would go through situations like that, I would really press in harder into those kinds of, uh, verses that, that reminded me of that hope. So basically not to have a, a temporal perspective, but an inter- eternal perspective. 
Yeah, man, that's that's exactly what we've been trying to kind of get at um, over these last few episodes. We've been talking about affliction. Um, is you know we live if we live our life on the sand as you were you were discussing all these these difficulties these struggles the storm becomes overwhelming um, and then if we start building our life on the rock yeah we're still going to have slips and falls and we're going to still have storm but we're not going to be um, as devastated as we would if we were living um, for our own glory our own pleasure our own happiness. Uh, Kevin, how would you encourage someone that's um, afflicted right now? What truths would you call them to preach to their own hearts? Uh, well, you know, a lot of uh, with, with trauma and affliction comes doubts. And, you know, I would definitely highlight what we've already talked about in Philippians 1, six that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And uh, for those that don't, that can't say that because that work hasn't been begun, you know, it's an opportunity to share the gospel, the hope that Jesus died. He took all this that uh, we're talking about and sin and destruction, everything comes to it. He took it to the cross and he defeated it. And uh, he conquered sin and death and rose victorious uh, to give us abundant life. And abundant life starts here on this earth, you know, where we can go through trauma and, and affliction um, you know, and persevere and, and be joyful. Um, but also too, another verse that sticks out to me is what I like to tell folks, you know, that say, well, I just can't, uh, or I won't, or I don't know how is Ephesians 3 20, where it says now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we see, we ask or think according to his power. Um, you know, because all the destruction I'm telling you, that's what Kevin was trying to do in his power. And, uh, and looking back, um, you know, if you would have told me 20 years ago, uh, when a lot of this was happening that, um, you know, I would be a grandfather of a three-year-old and a two-year-old, you know, Caden, our youngest, who's 18, uh, who I told you is in boot camp, he wasn't even on the radar. Uh, but just other things, I mean, uh, you know, some of the greatest people I've met, uh, to include you guys, the friendships that I, I've uh, had through relationships that I've built with Mighty Oaks and stuff and the brotherhood and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there's no way I, that I could have done any of that. And, uh, you know, he gets all the credit and he's definitely done, uh, far more abundantly than, than I could even ask or think. And that's not to say that, that things are a bed of roses because, you know, being married 31 years, I found out that marriages still work. You know, uh, when we were 18, when we got married, um, I didn't have PTS issues. Uh, Rachel didn't have um, whatever she goes through as a as a female through her at her age, you know. So you fast forward that, and it's like, wow, you know, this is marriage looks different at 31 years. How do we deal with these emotions and feelings we have now? So when I say this, what I would say to others, I'm preaching to myself too. I have to revisit these and remember that uh, you know um, I'm not promised, um, you know. Um, even now, still a bed of roses that there's going to be trials and, and struggles. And, you know, uh, we actually just, uh, prior to coming on the podcast, uh, we actually got our first letter from Caden. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest news. He basically <laughs> said in very few words that, 
this isn't fun. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. Yeah. Those weren't his words, you know, it, uh, I think it was more like, you know, uh, this is trash. I need <laughs> prayers because this stuff is crazy. This trash is crazy. And, uh, it kind of like, it tugged at our heartstrings a little bit because we were like, Oh man, you know, we're not there. We can't be there to help, you know? So, and then still, we won't be able to see him at least until, uh, April 22nd when he graduates. So we are found with, you know what, confronting that God is in control. Uh, he's never not had that control, but when we, we get in situations like this, when our, our kids are away and we don't have, um, you know, we don't have that control over them. Uh, we find ourselves, you know what, we prayed, we prayed and we cried together before we came and, and we just prayed for him and said, you know what, Lord, just give him the strength, help him make the change that he needs to make. So, that's what I would tell others. And, uh, that's what we're telling ourselves even still. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, you know, one of the things I think, uh, someone who's dealing with affliction or trauma, like what we're discussing, um, when they're, when they're married, right. When they're in this relationship with their spouse, oftentimes we talk about, there's this effect of secondary post-traumatic stress that occurs, uh, in a marriage or, um, <clears throat> A, a wife or a husband may not know how to help. Like I have no idea what to do. You know, you don't really grasp the what's going on in the heart and mind of someone else. Totally. And, and, you know, I think about, you know, Rachel, your wife, and just such a awesome lady. Um, uh, how she, she prayed for you. Can you describe like Rachel's prayer life when you were at the height of, uh, you know, Kevin's about Kevin <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, trying to build a house on the wrong foundation. Yeah. Um, so like Rachel's response during that time was a little bit different. Uh, and you know, a lot of that is due to the principles and stuff that she learned as a, as a growing up in a Christian home. Again, it wasn't perfect, but you know, what they did in hard times was pray. And that was, that was Rachel's reaction. You know, there was a lady at church that approached her and said, Hey, we have a divorce care program. And, and Rachel was like, no, I'm not going to that. She goes, I mean, it doesn't look good, but I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. And she has this term. She goes, this is when I prayed dirty and praying dirty means uh, praying scripture, you know, and more specifically, she played Colossians, uh, she played, prayed Colossians 1, 9 through 14, uh, over my life. And, you know, basically it would sound, it sounds something like this. She goes, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for Kevin, asking that Kevin may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that Kevin would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May Kevin be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified Kevin to share in the inheritance of the saints' delight. And he has delivered Kevin from the domain of darkness and transferred Kevin to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom Kevin has redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So Rachel was basically saying, you know what? Um, I know that that's not the Kevin that I married, and I know he's a child of God. And I'm going to pray God's will and his very words over his life like i'm going to claim these words over his life and that's where she comes up with the with the prayer you got you got to pray dirty you know and uh she that's how she, that's her version of praying dirty is that uh you know she just prayed prayed scripture 
And uh, not only that, but she would pray things like she would go in my room and, and like pray over my clothes. And she would pray that uh, the situation that I was in, you know, and the people that I was hanging around with, that they would become a stench in my nostrils. And, you know, and there was a transition that occurred in my life that I remember feeling like this kind of impending doom. Like, <laughs> like if I didn't make decisions, you know, you know different decisions, that um, some not so great things were going to continue to happen in my life. And, uh, you know, her prayers were answered. Mm. Wow. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, that's a that's a great principle to rest in. So, like, if you're in the height or your loved one who's dealing with affliction uh, and trauma, man, there's there's action to take today, right? And that's to rest in the promises of God and to pray these things over your loved one. And, and on top of that, right, like Kevin was saying, man, when you're facing it yourself, you you preach these truths to your own heart and you pray these things to our God who loves you, right? Think about uh, First Peter talks about, you know, humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. Um, and, and that's kind of the principle that you're fleshing out, man, with your story is that, man, God like is intimately invested in his children. Like he loves us and he loves us and our children and our spouses and our friends and our churches far more than we could ever fathom. And so, man, we can rest that he is uh, tending affectionately to the lives of his children. Um, um, Kevin, you know, I, I just really appreciate your heart and your your compassion for men. I, I have the I've had the privilege of doing I feel like. I feel like we've done 30 programs together or something. Yeah. I'm all in your beard hair all the time, you know, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but man, I, I just always leave a program. I feel like edified. Um, and, and it's, and it's really, it's your heart, it's, you know, your, your heart for other people. And so when I think about Jesus and the way that he deals with, with sinners, he does so with compassion and, uh, man, you exhume that kind of compassion, my friend. And I really appreciate, um, your ministry and the impact you've had in, in my life personally as well. Praise God. Yeah. yeah thank man. you so much for coming on, uh, and sharing with us your story, Kevin, man, what a, I know it's not always easy to, to relive some of these past events. Um, but man, it is so helpful when you're struggling or someone else, uh, you know, is struggling to hear of. Of stories of hope and restoration and, and hear about the power of God uh, to restore. And um, man, we thank you so much. Neil, did you want to end us? Yeah, man, we uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you're not subscribed already, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button. Give us an honest five-star review. And uh, we always love to hear comments and, and any thoughts you have on this um this specific series. Kevin, again, we thank you for coming on. Um, Until next time, Neil and Matt and Kevin, we out.